Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Okay, <laughs> it's so ironic. We just spoke about Alpha, which is a meal with every every, and then we spoke about the barbecue, and today's message is on overindulgence. <laughs> overindulgence uh, as being in a hallmark of today's modern culture and society. And, and it's the, the, challenge, the challenge of overindulgence um, and the temptation to eat and drink uh, too much or to indulge constantly. Like the, the consistent consuming of things, just just take just consume. Um, so as we continue our series on in the book of Proverbs, remember the purpose of the book of Proverbs. It's the most practical book in the Bible. The intention of the book is to teach us on how to become experts at living well. And I've hope I hope that you've taken some of the stuff that we've learned so far and you're applying it. And I, I've had many people over the last few weeks. By many, I mean two. Um, that have told me they've really enjoyed the series. Now, now I have more, more people that, than two that have told me that they've really enjoyed the series and, um, uh, you know, it's practical and there's things, they are challenged by it and it feels like I'm stepping all over their toes um, and they've really loved it and I think that might end today. <laughs> because, <laughs> because today we are going to talk about gluttony. We're going to talk about the lack of self-control we're going to talk about overconsumption. We're going to talk about, uh, this is, I mean, it's even hard to say, overeating. We're going to talk about out of control. It's society's most acceptable sin right now. Uh, so, uh, if you have open shoes, curl up the toes. Because we're going to address a difficult subject. It's a difficult topic. But it's very needed for us to address this. It's, it's not a topic that we address simply because we want to offend anybody or somebody or we want to um, bring people down. It's not. There are very few people, very few pastors that are willing to talk about gluttony. I don't think I've ever heard a message on it personally. Uh, another way to put it, we've heard messages on self-control. And I do know that we do need self-control in various areas of our lives. And, I, and I'm, I don't have to convince you of that. But the Bible calls one area of a lack of self-control, he calls that gluttony. Now, as I said earlier, I just came off a cruise ship. <laughs> and I've prepared this message in advance. And, and I'm telling you, man, that was hard. Because the purpose of a cruise ship, it's not to enjoy sailing. <laughs> it's not. It's to enjoy eating. That's literally all you do, is you eat. You eat, you eat, you eat. So, so um, I know that there are going to be times in our lives where, where we are um, going to feast. Like when we, we have a church barbecue, I want people to feast. 
I want them. The Bible speaks of feasts where, where you, they, they must be, it must be such a blessing to people. So feasting is not a problem. But it's when it becomes um, a, a part of your life every single day, that's a problem. Now, D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists ever that came out of Chicago, he had this amazing admiration for a writer by the name of Charles Spurgeon. And, and, and Spurgeon, I mean, he was a great commentary writer, wrote so many commentaries that, that I, one of the first ones I go to is actually Spurgeon's because I just feel that the way he describes a text, he will take a text and he will just pull it apart and he gives you insight on it. It's got great wisdom. Um, so Moody loved Spurgeon and, and he was a mentor to him. And, and they lived about 100 years ago, so way before internet or cell phones or communication or anything like that. So if you liked somebody and you wanted to go see them, you actually had to go to their house. And Moody wanted to meet Spurgeon. So he showed up in London at the doorstep of Spurgeon. And when Spurgeon opened the door after Moody knocked, Spurgeon opened the door and he was standing with a big cigar in his mouth. And Moody was completely thrown back by that. And he was looking at Spurgeon and he said to him, how can a man like you do that? And Spurgeon's always open for a challenge, up for a challenge. He took a few steps down, took his finger and he stuck it into the belly of Moody because Moody was a bit of a rounder person. And he said to him, the same way you do that. He said, I will put down my cigar when you put down your fork. Yeah. Now, remember, I want all of you to hear me. Please don't be offended. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Remember what that scripture says to us. It says that we honor God. We revere God. We see His Word, what He says, as higher than our opinion or our offenses. When His Word offends us, we take it from a loving Father that gives us that instruction with the purpose so that we can become experts in living well. When God speaks on things like these, it is for the intention for us so that we can live the life that He wants us to live. None of this is said for you to think of somebody else. None of this is for you to think of, oh, there's somebody in church that really needs to hear this message. Because there is not a person in this room that is not a glutton in some area. Every single one of us have areas in our lives where we struggle with self-control. Every single one of us. So we are not addressing this because we want to be a fit church. It has nothing to do with that. We are addressing this because we care for people. And Solomon, when he wrote this down, 
Remember Solomon said to God, God said to him, what do you want? He said, God, I want wisdom. And God said, I gave you the understanding for your people. I gave you knowledge, my knowledge, so that you can communicate it to people so that they can understand better. So the wisdom that we're getting from him is with the intention that we can understand life and the purpose of life better. That's why we are talking about this. Now, I'm sure you've noticed this. That as Christians, we are very easy to judge other people's sins. Very easy. It's easy for us to go, oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't use those words. You shouldn't drink that much. You shouldn't. We, we do that. you shouldn't very easily. But it's very hard for us to look at ourselves and go, you know, there are areas which I really have to look at. And that is really the purpose for why we get, it's one of the purposes why we gather together as a church body. So that we can hear God's word to challenge us, to change our lives, so that we can, can become more like Christ. Okay, now, you guys ready for it? I want to say this again. I, I guess most of you, how, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on gluttony? No one. <laughs> Oh, one. Okay. 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 Great. You can tell me afterwards how this one compares. Uh, some of you might think, yes, Andres, you're crazy to even tackle this. You will make people your enemy, and that's not my desire. Uh, but the Bible speaks very loud, and the Bible is very clear about this. You, and by you, I mean you, all of you, me, you have a responsibility towards your body. It's a great responsibility. Now, when you hear the word gluttony, what, what I, I think of, for me, one of the most disgusting images I think of is those hot dog eating competitions. Hot dog eating competitions. How do you say that? Hot dog eating competitions. Yes, one of those. One of those hot dog eating competitions where they just stuff their mouths. Like, for me, that's disgusting, right? It's like a gross thing. Um, but Gluttony can be personified in many different ways, and, and there's many different meanings for it, like overconsumption, greediness, overeating, binge-watching, um, addicted to phones, like the overconsumption of information. Uh, I've seen students make gluttons of themselves at summer vacations and other days. Um, Vegas and Mexico, it's built on gluttony. It's built on it. I've seen adults make gluttons of themselves many times with alcohol and food and drugs and money and shopping. Amazon is built on gluttony. The best example I could find in the Bible, and the, and the Bible is awesome. <laughs> it's like, it, it speaks towards everything. Um, there's a guy in the Bible, and this is from the King James. In Judges chapter 3, it speaks of the, of the king of, the king's name was Eglon of Moab. And the Bible says that he was a very fat man. I know politically correct, we can't say that anymore. But it's in the King James, so I can read it. It says the following, and this is an amazing story. If, if you ever think, ever think the Bible is boring, you're boring. The Bible's amazing. <laughs> There's amazing stories in this book. So the Bible says the following. It says that, so, so Ahad was from Israel, and he was a left-handed. 
who was a left-handed warrior, right? So, and it says that God sent him to the king of Moab, Eglon, with, an, with a, a message for Eglon. And the message was God says that he's going to destroy his enemies. So it says that Ahad had an 18-inch blade. So that's the length of the blade. And it says when he, when he stabbed Eglon, it says he was so fat. It's like one of those your mama jokes. Um, it, it says he was so fat that the rolls consumed the blade and the handle and up his arm. So the knife disappeared. It says that he had fences to keep his, his weight up around him. So, so Eglon, I think, is in the Bible an extreme example of somebody who lived a gluttonous life. But the Bible also speaks in Proverbs 23, and it says, now remember Solomon, I think Solomon in the beginning of his life, extreme wisdom. But what happened to Solomon at the end? He lost his fear of the Lord fell into depression. That's when depression kicks in. It says, Solomon says, do not mix with wine bibbers or gluttonous eaters of meat, for both will come to poverty. He's saying, do not mix with people when they get up in the morning, think about how we're going to party tonight. Because what happens when we do it says their lives will lead towards poverty, meaning you will become poor, not financially, but in relationships, in health, in work, in opportunities. So Solomon gives us great wisdom about this. And then in Proverbs 23, Solomon goes on and he says the following. He says, when you sit down to eat with the ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. So Solomon is saying, listen, when you sit down to eat and there's something in front of you, and, and this is the main idea, which I think for many of us is what we struggle with. What do I do in those moments of temptation? Because food is used, the first original sin was based on, on are you satisfied with all you have? You should have more. You don't have enough. So Solomon is saying, listen, you will have people around you who has influence. You will have a king, an influence, somebody whose circle you want to be a part of, whose influence you want to be, be around. You want to be in that group. And he's saying, don't eat their food, especially if you are deceptive to what he is feeding you. If you sit at a table, uh, that's why the Bible speaks, you know, wine is not wrong. Uh, there, there's no thing that you are doing that is wrong. But when it becomes a stumbling block for somebody else who's around you, then you use the wisdom to say, I'll remove it from my table. So the idea is, he says, don't get caught up in that thing where you have such a desire to be part of something that, that you will do what they do. You will eat what they serve. They're serving up. You want more likes? Just show more skin. You know, you want more followers on Instagram? Just, just reveal more. Just become more dirty. Let's just eat what they are serving you. Just fall into that. He says, don't sit at that table. Rather, cut your throat. Meaning, I am dead to that. And I will remove myself from it. 
So the basic idea of gluttony is overindulgence. Overindulgence. Um, and I want to say again, sure, we can talk about food because that's where our mind usually goes. And the Bible does speak about that. But I think we need to widen the whole idea of overindulgence way more. Overconsumption. Overindulgence. Overspending. And I think that, that you guys might agree with me that right now, this period that we are living in, in, in church history, I don't think I've seen it more. It's, it's amazing when, when you go on holiday and you are in Disney World, right? Or you are on a cruise ship and people are overindulging on devices. It's amazing. You've got this beauty around you and they don't see it. They, they're just there. They don't see it. Uh, I, I think we, we're living in a time where people are, are encouraged to overindulge. John uh, McKeever. He's a pastor and an author, and he wrote an article that grabbed my attention, and it's called The Five Reasons Pastors Don't Preach on Gluttony. Number one, because it could cost you your job <laughs> or support in the church. You can become a target. But instead of focusing on the five reasons why we shouldn't preach on it, I'm, I want to focus on what will happen if we do speak about this. If we do, do talk about, listen, what self-control is and we should have it. He gives three reasons why we should preach on it. Number one, he says, it's for your health. I'm quoting him. He said, obesity is the affliction of our times. In the black plague, it's the black plague of the 21st century. It's the greatest pandemic we are facing. He says, health is the first reason. Why we should be aware of it. Your health. Second is he says, it's from Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Tells us whatever you eat and drink and whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And third, he says, why preachers should preach on this is for godly, godliness sake. Now, part of godliness, he argues, is self-control. And we know in Galatians 5 that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Now, we live in a society, and we live in a culture, and, and what you should know is, is that our society is now beginning not to um, teach or steer or guide us towards self-control. Instead of doing that, what society is doing is it's adjusting itself for the loss of self-control. It's making more room. Airplanes are, although the one we drove on last night didn't have that yet, but um, we didn't drive in it, we flew in it. Um, but airplanes are making more space in the seats because people are getting bigger. Hospitals are adding space just to handle the multiple diseases um, that are stemming from lifestyle choices, lack of self-control. Instead of telling people and helping people out of addictions, Listen, we need to get you out. We need to get you to a place of rehabilitation. We are opening up shops and stands where people can go shoot them up for free. We're not helping people beat addiction. We're aiding them in it. We, you, me, and, and this is something which, which I think it's, it's sensitive to say. 
especially now coming, coming out of the season that we're in. But, but you are being blamed for other people's health. Like, you are responsible for somebody else's health. Now, I do feel we have a responsibility and love for people around us. You know, if, 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 if I've got, got um, um, whatever it is, you know, I'm not going to come to you and cough on you. And, and if I've got a skin disease, I'm not going to come rub your arm with, because I'm aware of who you are. I don't want to infect anybody. But what's happened is, instead of challenging people to live healthier, we've told the healthy that you're responsible for the unhealthy's choices also. And I just think it's wrong. I do believe we care for people, no doubt. We want to make sure everybody around us is healthy as much as we possibly can. We use wisdom. But man, every single one of us have a responsibility for our own bodies, your choices. Now, at the same time, I do need to say this, and I want to be very, very, very careful here um, because I don't want anybody to feel judged. It's not the intention of the message. This is not about outward appearance. It's, it's not about the physical outward appearance. You can have an amazing relationship with God. I know there are many people who love God, and God sees your heart. And if we think that, that somebody, uh, we don't know. Different people have different metabolisms. We recognize that, right? We know that people have different genetic makeups. We know that, that people go through different hormone things 40-ish in their lives. We know that when you were younger, it was easier to keep fit, and now that you're older, it's harder. We recognize that. We know that there are medical reasons why people gain weight. I understand that, and I recognize that. Different people have different restrictions. You can't exercise like you used to. Maybe you've never liked exercise. Maybe your body just don't do well with it. Whatever the restrictions are, I know that there are reasons for, for there are very legitimate reasons, and I honor and I respect that, and no judgment. Please hear me. No judgment towards anybody regarding that. But here is the thing. All of us have the same responsibility. No matter what your restrictions, no matter what your difficulties are, you are responsible to do the best you can with what you've got. That's the principle. Do the best you can with your situation, and your situations are going to change. We're going to grow older. Um, Saki, uh, I mean, Saki was one of the most active people I know. His back's hurting. He can't work like he used to work anymore, which means we now have to hire people to come fix the property. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. But the reality is we do grow. We do change. But you are responsible with what you've got. Like, what are you doing with what you've got? Are you, you going to make adjustments so that you can be the best that you can possibly be? 1 Corinthians 6 says, I want you to, to look at this. Says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? He's asking a question. Do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Listen to that again. You are not your own. Do you not know that your body is a temple? 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, in view of this negative topic or difficult topic or hard topic or hard one to hear and to be confronted with, I want to say again, I want to give this in as much love as possible. I want to give you four positive truths over the next few weeks. We're only going to look at one today. Four affirming things, four encouraging things to get all of us as believers to get to the place where we take responsibility for what we have. We take stewardship over what we've been given. Now, what Paul says um, in, in 1 Corinthians, he gives us like a mini theology of the human body. There's, it's a, like a theology course that he gives us. First of all, he says your body is a holy place. In verse 19, he says your body is a temple. Now, three times in the book of Corinthians, he speaks about your body being a temple. In Ephesians, he speaks about the body of believers being the temple. But in 1 Corinthians and 2, he speaks to the Christian body as a temple. Your body, physical body, is the temple. And what he is dealing with right there in Corinth, the place, he's dealing with many of the same things that we are dealing with today in today's society, in today's culture. He's dealing with a culture of pleasure. Everything is about pleasing me. Don't worry about accountability or self-control. What I want you to notice is something, if we go back to verse 12, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, he says the, the following, you've heard this before, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Just because I can do anything, that's not right. I shouldn't do all the things. All things are lawful for me, but not all things will bring me to a place where I am closer to God. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Listen, I want to say that again. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Is anything controlling your life decisions right now that you are the reason why it is controlling your life decisions right now? Is there an accountability towards the choices you are making for your body? He goes on. He says, I, I'm not going to be addicted to anything. Then he goes, he says, food for the stomach and, and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both of them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her, making decisions just based on pleasure. Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought with a price. Therefore, God, honor him with your bodies. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Verse 13 is something that he says. It says, food for the stomach and stomach for foods. Now, people were saying this all over the streets in Corinth. It was like the thing to say. I just heard a new thing to say if you're a teenager. Banger. It's like a banger song. That's, that's right. That's how you say it. It's like a banger song. Apparently, that's the way you should say If you like a song, it's a banger song. That's what you say. Banger. It sounds like hanger. Um, these people were saying food all over the streets. This was the common thing that everybody was saying. 
food for the stomach and stomach for foods. And what it meant was the following. It meant was food is for necessity, but it's also for pleasure. And then he goes on, and they also applied this towards sex. It's a necessity for, for procreation, but it's also for pleasure. So they used this little slogan to justify their excessive behavior. They used it to justify their gluttony, their sexual immorality, their drunkenness, their overconsumption. They used it to say, listen, as long as it pleases you, are you enjoying it? doesn't matter what it's going to do to other people or to you, but as long as you are enjoying it, that's really all that matters. That, that's all that, that we care about. Is it, are you enjoying it? This was the culture that they were living in. So Paul says, listen, even though it's true for food and it's true for sex, that it's for necessity and for pleasure, your body serves a higher purpose. You are here for a higher purpose than just pleasure and satisfaction. It's God's place. Your body is a holy place. So get this. You have a body, but your body has a spirit. And that spirit, when you accept Christ, becomes brand new and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Now you are hosting God's spirit inside of you. Paul says in verse 20, you should glorify God in your body. So you have a spirit and your spirit lives inside a body, and Paul calls the body the temple. Now, it was intention, he did it by intention. There's, there's, the reason why I say temple is because those people recognized temples all over Corinth. Each one of them knew exactly what was meant by a temple. If you were a Jewish believer or a Jewish follower, you knew exactly that the temple was God's holy place. That's where God's presence was before Jesus came. That's where they brought all the sacrifices and the offerings. And you would know that the temple was a place of worship. The temple was a place of prayer. The temple was a place of sacrifice. The temple was a place of obedience. The temple was a place of, of reverence where God is magnified. The temple was a place of, of where you, you would lower yourself and God will become higher. Temple was a place of praise. Temple was a place that was used to feed the hungry, look after the widow, look after the orphan. The temple was a place where there was correction brought. And, and the temple was a place where, where I was steered by leadership and where I would receive God's word and instruction is in the temple. So when Paul says, your body is a temple... He's referring to every single one of us. We have to understand that the temple is not just uh, its not a nice metaphor. No. You are now the temple. You are the place where the worship happens. You are the place where the praise happens, where, where the, we honor and we magnify God. It's in your body. It's in your temple. Do you not understand that your body is the temple of God? So when we look at our bodies and we don't understand how God sees our bodies, if we don't have that mind or that idea of it, it means there has to be correction. 
and the worship team can come up. Now, they would build temples all over the place and, and in the main cities. In First Chronicles 23, after Solomon built the temple, it says, now listen to this, after Solomon built the temple, he employed 38,000 Levites, 38,000 Levites to keep it. 24,000 of them were to look after the house of the Lord. They were to maintain the temple. They were to clean the temple. They were to make sure that it was just right. And then we see Jesus twice in his ministry. It says he cleansed the temple. They didn't mean that Jesus came with a sponge and a bucket and he wiped it down. He threw out things that weren't supposed to be there. He cleaned out things that were not supposed to be part of the temple. Now likewise, when you view your body as a temple, we are raising the viewpoint of our lives. Where you are right now, you've got to see your body as God's temple. What are you doing to say, and there's a reason why God wants your body healthy. We'll get to that. There's a reason why God wants you to raise the value for what you see. It's not about what other people see, for what you see. How God's going to, you have to raise that value. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to be used by you. When you have the view that your body is the temple, it was in the temple that God's purposes and plans were revealed. If your body, the temple, is not equipped for the purposes and the plans, it can't be fulfilled. It's not that God doesn't want to do it. God wants to use you, wants to use me. Which means every single one of us has a responsibility for our temples. Not someone else. Don't do it because of what other people see or think or what society would say or, or what people would look at. It's got nothing to do with that. Remember, our first accountability is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Fools will despise it, but the wise will find wisdom in it. If, if you take this, this principle from Solomon and you start applying it, what does it mean? We'll look at practical things over the next few weeks. I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do to help you. Some of it might be useful for you. Some of them might not at all be useful because you can't use it. It's not you. You are the only one that knows what you need to do. Jay, how old are you? 42? Plus, minus. Okay. But, but yes, so, so I'm 48 now. Now, in my mind, I'm halfway in my life. Right? I'm halfway. Which means I've got another 48 years to live with this. What am I going to do for the next 48 years? Because there's no retirement in God's kingdom. What am I going to do for the next 48 years to make sure that I can serve God to the optimum, to the highest level that I possibly can until the day I go to sleep and I don't wake up? Until the day. What are you doing for that body of yours? Now, it's not an instant. It's not, God, I prayed that I dropped all the pounds right now. It's work. You've got to work on your temple. They had 38,000 guys working on the temple every single day. Would be nice if I had that many people working on the temple. But we don't. You've got you. You're responsible. 
God loves you just the way you are. I want you to hear that. The changes you, you might make or not make, it won't change God's love for you. It stays the same. I love you 100% the same way you are. If It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. It makes no difference to me. It's not for my love. It's not for my acceptance. It's for God's purposes for you. What are you doing for God's purposes for you? How God wants to use you. Right? That's the thing. Now, I know this is not a theological, super deep message. It's more a a choice to take offense or not message. Uh, It's more one where where you can decide, I want to change my life because I want to do what God wants me to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word you give to us is for the purpose to build us up, to raise us up so that we can be everything that you've called us to be. And Father, I know there are some hurts. There are some people that are hurt, hurting in their bodies. And, and they've had many pains and many struggles. But Father, I know that you are the Father of life. And for those who've been struggling with, with weight gaining and, and struggling with muscle pains and aches and cramps and not knowing what steps to take next, I know, God, that you are there with them. And that you can bring healing and restoration. And it's not for other people. But I pray that you will bring that Holy Spirit to guide them to make the efforts that's right for them, for their bodies. So that they can honor you in their lives and in their work and in their conduct. And they can preach your message. God, you are a personal God. You are not a margarine God that we spread over the whole slice of bread. You are personal to every single one of us. Your spirit speaks to every individual specifically. So speak to your children today, Lord. Speak to us today in your loving, beautiful way. Amen. Let's stand up and worship together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.